Be prepared to work as hard as you can. What's so amazing about this job is that what you put in is what you get out of it. So if you're willing to put in a lot and you're willing to sacrifice a lot and work as hard as you possibly can, you will be successful in this job. Welcome to the Jason J. Walton Live It podcast. Today we have my friend Rachel Carroll. And Rachel, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me here. The reason I've been looking forward to this is because, Rachel, you're such an amazing person. And for those who are watching by way of introduction, Rachel and I have worked together for several years now. And Rachel is one of the best in our industry in sales. So she ranks in the top 0.1 or 0.2% of salespeople in the industry. So that means if you get higher 500 to 1,000 people, she's going to be the number one of those 500 to 1,000 people. Statistically, I think that's actually extremely accurate. So Rachel, a lot of people do door-to-door sales, especially in pest control, but you performed in the top 0.1% of everyone who does it in the industry, and you earned, I don't know, somewhere between four and $500,000. Why were you able to do that when most people can't? I think one of the biggest things is that a lot of people don't know just how much dedication and sacrifice it takes to do that. And a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work that that takes. The funny thing is, I think that most people who interview or who go do summer sales, they have it in their mind, something that I call the myth of me, meaning they have this perception that I am willing to sacrifice. I am willing to put in the work. I will be able to make it through the hard times. And it's just a little bit overinflated ego. And so the only way I believe that someone could know what it really takes to, to be a, an extremely high achiever is to become an extremely high achiever. The sacrifice has to be paid. And so from your perspective and your the wisdom of your experience, what kind of sacrifices were necessary to, to do as well as you did? That's a really good point because I hear so many people do who do this job and they say they're going to go out and do it. But when things get tough, they end up not being willing to make those sacrifices. So they don't perform as they had hoped or wished. Um, but yeah, this last summer, especially, I probably had to sacrifice the most out of all of that was my third summer that I had done. And I essentially had to give up my life almost for the time that I was out there. I really had to put pretty much everything else in my life on hold so that I was able to focus on sales and sales alone. Um, throughout the day, I'm really not thinking about anything else except for getting another sale. So I'm pretty clear with my family and friends like, hey, don't text me until after nine o'clock at night when I'm off the doors. Um, if anyone texts me before, they know they're not going to get a response back because that's, I just have to be that focused. And then I pretty much got like all my ducks in a row before I left the summer. So everything that I, you know, I'm usually doing over the summer, I made sure I just had either someone to take care of that or that already handled. So that way over the summer, I didn't have to deal with anything else. And I really could just focus on sales and sales alone. That's great advice. I mean, all too often, it's time for a day to begin and someone says, oh, my car needs new tires. Yeah. Where Rachel would say, oh, I did that before the summer. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I, I hear that all the time. It's yeah. amazing how many people come up with excuses that they say, who could have foreseen this? Exactly. And then they state something that was completely foreseeable. There's so many things like that that, that 
come up that people, like you said, use as an excuse. So everything, I thought of really everything possible that I just got and handled um, before the summer. And then obviously there's still things that come up, but I would usually spend like Sundays to go ahead and do that um, and make sure I did all of like the errands, everything that I needed to do then. So that way, Monday through Saturday, again, it was just sales. Didn't have to worry about any of those like annoying little things that people will use as an excuse not to knock or not to work. Um, just so I could really focus on utilizing my time wisely. That's great advice. So one of the things that I've always asked would be salespeople are what's your goal this summer? How many would you like to sell? And usually someone will say 300 or 400 or something that's that's really, really high. And I'll say, what makes you think that you can do that? Meaning what's, what's anything else that you've ever done in your life that shows that you can be a high achiever? And sometimes people will say things that are kind of silly to me. Like, well, I'm really good academically. I'll say, what's your GPA? I'll say 3.5. I'll say, that's, that's not the top... Not that great. Not the top 5%. And you're you're saying you want to perform the top 5%. What's something else that you've done in the top 5%? And I'll cons- consistently get answers of someone who's performed in the top 30 or 40% and say, something has to change in the mindset and the behavior for you to actually become a top 5% performer in, in an industry where there are really sharp, smart, hardworking people. And so I know we're both from San Diego mm-hmm. originally. And if I remember right, you grew up in La Jolla. You want to give us a little bit of background to where you're from? Yeah, yeah. I um, grew up grew up in La Jolla, California. I love it down there. Love the weather, the beach, fun place to be. But I moved out to Utah in 2014 when I graduated high school. And went to college at? Yeah, I went. I started out at Utah State University and I was on the soccer team there. And then I, um, after my first year there, I transferred to BYU and then I graduated from BYU in April of 2020, right before I started this job. Great. And your degree was in? I double majored in marketing and psychology. Yeah. So right off the bat, we've got a double major going on. Mm-hmm. And I remember your team in high school and I knew your coach, Felicia. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about your your club team and how well you performed. Yeah. So um, soccer is huge for me growing up. That's really what gave me so much of like my discipline, dedication, drive towards things. And so my um, my club team in high school was very competitive. So the summer before I left for college, we actually won the national championships. For people that don't know, Soccer in just San Diego is extremely competitive. And so just to be one of the top club teams in San Diego, just to be on the team usually means you're going to, you can play division one. That's been my experience. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Every single girl on that team that I was with went on to play division one. A lot of times, a lot of players on the B team that couldn't even make the A team plays division one. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or college. Yeah. And so you won the national championship and then you went on, I think, to compete in Europe. Um, they did that a few years, a, uh, a couple years earlier. So, okay. yeah. And I was on the team when they when they went there. They went to Spain. And, and did pretty well, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, was, it ended up being like really one of the top teams in the world. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for that age group. Mm-hmm. But I assume that there was a price to be paid for that. I mean... Was it easy oh, definitely to, to, to be not. able to have your spot on that team? And I think you were a scorer, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was a scorer. I played forward. Um, definitely not easy at all. That summer, too, that we were training for the national championships, we were doing three-a-day practices. 
and the um, championships were on the East Coast. So my coach to prepare us for the heat, we were training in sweatpants, long sleeve shirts, sweatshirts and gloves. So three a day practices and all of that gear, a um, lot of fitness practices running up and down Torrey Pines Hill, where, where yeah. you're from. Um, so it was not easy at all. Yeah, I would think not easy at all is, is an understatement. Plus, you're competing against really good soccer players. Yeah. I mean, the, not just the members of your team, but when you're playing other teams, you're 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 going up against the best. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I say that because now I'm going to relate it to, to selling on the doors. A lot of times people will come in and they will train like amateurs. They'll train like the teams that you beat 12 to nothing. Yeah. And then the people they compare themselves to are other amateurs that are not really that good at what they do. Yeah. And I think that's a common mistake that we make in life in general when we think that we're elite, but then we train like an amateur. Yeah. Or we compare ourselves to to people who are mediocre at best. Have you seen that in our industry as well? Oh, definitely. And I think the reason a lot of people do that, they'll compare themselves to people that are mediocre just to justify their own kind of downfalls or lack of success. Yeah. Um, but it's like you're never going to be the best when you're comparing yourself to people that aren't the best. Yeah, who are mediocre. I think that's one of the best pieces of advice for people who are doing any industry, but particularly ours, is that you're going to be like the people that you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And if you surround yourself with people with mediocre work ethic, and that's what you're surrounded by, to think that you're not going to be affected by that is ignorant. Yeah. And so what are some of the things that you do and the people that you work with here in Moxie do to um, help create a competitive environment? Yeah, I think just like you said, surrounding yourself with people that want to work and are also competitive like you. My um, car group, my first summer, it was me, Andrew Moffat, Brad Dennis, They, the three of us just we had our routine every single day. We were the top three salesmen in our team. And just being together and having that competitiveness together helped so much my first year. And it, you really see just how it affects you because negativeness in this job and like having a negative person on a team is really like a cancer. It just spreads throughout. And like you said, to think that you're not going to be affected by it is just really naive. Yeah. And so it's just best to not surround yourself with people like that if someone is talking like that, just don't associate yourself with that conversation and just really try and surround yourself with those other people that are going to be positive, going to be competitive, have high goals like you. They want to be the best like you because then you lift each other up instead of bringing each other down. Yeah. So your first summer with us, how how well, how well did you do? Um, yeah, my first summer went really well. I sold uh, 447 accounts and serviced 280,000 in revenue. As a first year salesperson. Mm -hmm. So the, again, that's top for first years. That's probably still top 1%. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Less yeah. than one percent. Yeah. Yeah. Half half of a percent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then your 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 second year? And my second year I um sold four hundred and seventy accounts and serviced a little over three hundred and fifty five thousand in revenue. So your average contract value went up mm -hmm. sounds like yeah. quite a bit your yeah. second year. Yeah. And then the the third year you serviced over a thousand with over six hundred and seventy thousand in contract in value. What happened between the second year and third year that allowed you to double? More than double. A couple different things. I think I was a lot more focused in the off season. The summer between my second and third year, 
I did more training than I had ever had. I did more training than I had done before my first or second summer. I tried to pick, I I really like to get advice from a lot of different people because I think there's things from everyone's pitch that I can take. So I like to kind of like take what I like from one person's pitch and from another person's pitch and just get advice from different people and then kind of take it and make it my own and do what works for me. So I definitely did the most training than I had ever done. And then I really just tried to prepare myself mentally to know I was going to have to go out and do something really, really hard because, you know, to go from 570 accounts to a thousand accounts was a huge jump. So it was it was really scary. I I was definitely there's a lot of thoughts before the summer, like, I don't know if I can do this, but I really had to put all those negative thoughts aside and be like, no, like. I'm going to do it. Like, I know it's going to be really, really hard and I have to prepare myself to work even harder than I did the my first two summers. But it was just really setting my mind to it and then saying, I'm going to do this no matter what. You told me several times going into last summer that you were going to do a thousand accounts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I asked what you're going to do, that those are the first words I'm going to do a thousand accounts this year. Yeah. And then- you know, then you went and did it. But it's interesting to me because a lot of times someone will service 150 accounts and they'll come back the next year and they'll do 220 accounts, which is great. Mm-hmm. Or they'll do 200 accounts and they'll come back the next year and do 300 accounts, which is great. It's a 50% improvement. Yeah. It's amazing to me that you who are already at the top, who most people would see already doing 500 accounts saying how much more room is there for upward mobility? And then you still came back and doubled it, which I think yeah. says a lot to your mindset. So in our industry, uh, a lot of reps say to me, well, I service 150 accounts, but it's because I have all these other hardships that I have to deal with. And it's just harder mentally. Whereas people like Rachel, who are servicing at the top end, it's easy for her and, and uh, emotionally in every other way, it's easy. How would you respond to that? It's that's just simply not true at all. It's I definitely have my own fair share of hardships and trials and stuff. It's just a matter of having no excuses and whatever hardships and trials you have, you just have to make it so you don't use as an excuse as to why you don't perform. I definitely had my fair share of obstacles this summer and a lot of people don't know, but I actually um, struggle with a condition with my autonomic nervous system. So it doesn't function properly. So sometimes that leaves me not feeling super well physically. And one of the main symptoms I experience is getting really lightheaded. And so fortunately I take medicine for it, but this last summer I was really struggling with that in the middle of the summer. So there was a lot of days when I didn't feel great physically. I was getting lightheaded, faint on the doors, but I just always knew in my mind I was never going to use that as an excuse as to why I quit or didn't hit my goal. I just had to push through, do what I can to still make it happen. You're making me nervous now. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I've been hitting goals within a reason, but I hope that you're making sure that you're keeping yourself safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard at times, but, yeah. but you know, it, it's okay. <laughs> we have to, we'll have, to we'll have to watch you closely just, just to make sure you're okay. <laughs> just make sure I don't pass out on anyone's door. Yeah, yeah, we want, yeah. I mean, goals within reason yeah, for sure. For sure. You also had surgery in the off season, and it's, it was, yeah. it was an area that, uh, that, that affects your ability to knock. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I got foot surgery. And so that was, um, it d- definitely affected me a lot and not being able, I was on crutches for the entire off season. Um, and so 
that was that was also hard just not being able to be as physically active as I try and be and going into the summer just off of that it affects you but even your first and second summer you still had foot problems uh-huh yeah and 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 it hurt and yet you still kept selling yeah definitely my first summer before i had gotten the surgery i that foot had a lot of pain in it which is why i was getting surgery on it and so and yeah, people don't know that because I try not to complain about things like that. But yeah, there was a lot of days where, I mean, my foot's in pain and you have to stand on your feet all day for this job. And so it's just a matter of, again, having no excuses and no matter what, just kind of pushing through and making it happen. It's an amazing story. And it was, uh, I, di- I didn't even know that you had a foot problem until you were prepping for <laughs> surgery and you let me yeah. know. I was kind of blown <laughs> away thinking like, oh my goodness. Yeah. But also emotionally, I mean, how many days over the course of the last few summers would you say that you had a day where you said, I just don't know if I keep doing this or you just felt emotionally kind of overwhelmed at the beginning of the day or at night? A lot. And it, I mean, at least once a week, like there's a day where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, this is just a lot. This is really hard. And towards the end of the summer, I would say that happened even more frequently. Yeah. But it's just a matter of like snapping out of that really quick. Cause I would be lying to say if I never had those thoughts or feelings, like I had them all the time. I just made sure that I snapped out of it really fast. And the second I got out of my car and I knocked my first door, there was none of that thinking. It was like, snapped out of it. The only thing I'm thinking about is getting another sale and hitting my goal. But when you did have those feelings, they were strong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a small thing. It was like sometimes uh, like very overwhelming type very, of a feeling. Yeah. And I just want to say that because like most people get those feelings. And so for those that say, Oh, but you wouldn't understand what I felt like. <laughs> I understand everyone feels differently, but I've been, I've been around you and seen you, I've seen those feelings hit and then just stood in amazement with a lot of respect as you subdued them and then overcame them. Oh, for sure. Subjected them to your will. (laughs) Yeah, I've had my fair share of emotional breakdowns throughout the summer. A lot of different trials and tribulations. Like I know anyone that, you know, has experienced any of that, like trust me, I know exactly how they feel and more just having done it for so long and trying to perform at the highest level. Like it's, it's very overwhelming, but. Yeah, I would, I would say again, that anyone who's performed at the highest level, it's only you who've performed the top 1% who know what the sacrifice is and what it takes. And, And so for the people who haven't performed at that level, I think it's mistaken to say, oh, but you don't know how much I'm suffering, how hard it is for me, to which I would turn around and say, yeah, but you for sure don't know what sacrifice it takes to perform at the top 1%. Exactly. Emotionally, physically, and in every and everything else. And I and the reason I'm bringing this up is is out of respect to say that people who perform who are outliers in performance like you, it's not like it's easy for you. Yeah, I mean you still have obstacles that you're overcoming. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe over time it, it, the, what those obstacles are change. Yeah. Right? Like it is in 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 anything as we improve then the things that we're focusing on become different but it doesn't mean they're not there. 
For sure. And yeah, I appreciate you saying that because it's, it's true. There's, there's obstacles. Like I've definitely come across my fair share. The obstacles have changed between my three summers, but you're exactly right. No one knows, you know, the physical, mental, emotional toll it takes to sell a thousand accounts unless they themselves have gone out and sold a thousand accounts. And do you feel that camaraderie when you're around some of these other people that have done that? Oh, And, definitely. and you can kind of talk about it. We relate to each other a lot. Like yeah. right when I got back from this summer, the only people that I really related to was the other salesman that had also done that. Cause I'm like, they get it. Like they right. understand what it's like and they understand what I went through. Cause we like both experienced that. Yeah. And I'm guessing when other people talk about it, it's apparent to you that, that they're guessing and yeah. they don't actually know. Exactly. So, it's hard to fully understand unless you've done it and been in the trenches yourself. If I was new and I was wanting to get involved in sales, uh, what advice would you give me? I think um, just be prepared to work as hard as you can. I think the what's so amazing about this job is that what you put in is what you get out of it. So if you're willing to put in a lot and you're willing to sacrifice a lot and you're going to go out and work as hard as you possibly can, you will be successful in this job. And so just decide what you're willing to sacrifice, decide how hard you're willing to work, and then go out and make it happen. It is kind of nice that no one's telling you here's the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Here's the max amount you can make per hour. Yeah, exactly. It's really cool. It's, it's like if you put your mind to it and say, hey, I want to be the top rookie in the company because I'm going to outwork everyone else and all of Moxie, like – you can go and do that. And it's really cool. Like there's nothing stopping anyone from doing that. Says someone who did do that. Yeah. <laughs> your, 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 your rookie year. Yeah. So what is a, a, a bit of sales advice that you found helpful your first year? The biggest sales advice I have is just to stick to the basics. I think that's what helped me the most because going into my first year, I had no sales experience. I had done nothing in sales before. I've never knocked doors, never done anything even close to this job. And so, but I learned the words and that's what I did. I went out and I just stuck to the basics. I followed the roadmap and it works. You know, we teach rookies and salesmen the words for a reason and it's because it works you just have to stick to it yeah and then you start owning it in a different way and exactly learning how to fit it in with your personality and and yeah and and be natural with it in a way that's helpful to the customers mm -hmm. it's great when you're able to realize how you can use kind of the roadmap and how it's designed to actually help you add value uh, yeah. to, to the people that you're talking to for sure. It's nice kind of um, the more experience of a salesman that you become, the more yeah. you're able to kind of change things around while still at the same time sticking to the basics, but change things around to your own personality, tailor it to the customer that you're talking to. And it's cool um, learning those different sales skills so that you're able to do that the more um, the more that you do this job. So, Rachel, going back to year one, what made you decide uh, to do a summer sales program? So it was definitely never something that I thought I would ever do. Um, but me, I, me either. Yeah, it was uh, kind of crazy. But I, I double majored at BYU in marketing and psychology. The summer before I started sales, I had also done um, an internship in DC and politics. And I was just honestly very conflicted about which route I was wanting to go in yeah. my life. And I didn't know like which, which ex like the exact job I was trying to look for. And so my friend kept trying to convince me to do it. And I was like, maybe I should try it out and I can always like 
give myself a little bit more time to think about what exactly I want to do. And then that was actually when COVID hit um, in 2020. Yeah. And a lot of the companies that I were looking to work for after I graduated were on a hiring freeze. And so I said, maybe this will be perfect. I'll just do it until September and then find a job in September. And that's what happened. And um, and so it was never going to be a long term thing. It was always going to be just like a one summer and done. But it obviously ended up going way better than I ever could have imagined. And that's why I've stuck with it since. Well, I'm certainly glad you chose to, to come here and also glad that you're sticking with it. Yeah, it's definitely it definitely worked out for the best. It's very unexpected, but I'm glad that it turned out the way it did. Me well. too. Why did you choose to work with Moxie? So I really loved, I think one of the very first things that just like caught my eye was Moxie's core values. I really saw that they actually focused on them versus other companies are all talk, but they don't actually focus or practice a lot of the values that they preach. And I really appreciated that because anyone that knows anything about summer sales has heard horror stories of people getting screwed over, maybe not getting their money that they owed things bad that happened, but I felt very confident at Moxie that I was going into it with a group of people, um, with the CEO that I trust, with people that weren't going to screw me over. And I, I was very comfortable and confident in that decision. So that was a big reason why I went with Moxie. Well, well thank you. Thanks for sharing. And, and, I, and I think that you, you brought up a few things. When you say getting messed over, uh, most people in the industry think of that as just being not paid or not being paid what was agreed upon or somehow being manipulated in the in the sales process. Whereas I really appreciated what you said about the core values because me, in my opinion, the main way that young people, college age kids get messed over is being put into a culture with core values that will be destructive to future relationships and future roles. There are really solid reasons why our industry has a bad reputation. It's been earned. Yeah. So it's been earned through non-principle centered living, from treating people as a means to an end, through putting selfishness in in my in and trying to elevate oneself above others at the cost of others, from being able to rationalize why it's okay to convince somebody to do something that even you don't think it's in their best interest. Whether that thing is to sign up for your program, whether it's pest, alarm, solar, whatever it is, or whether you should work with with the company that I'm with, even though I know it's probably not in your best interest, but it's in my best interest. And so I'll push, I'll push that agenda. I mean, I've seen things in our industry over the course of the last 20 or 30 years that I thought was um, scary. And I, and I felt like very much on a crusade to try to put together a company within the industry that, that really has an emphasis on principle-centered living. So the main ones, of course, we talk about are integrity, uh, really clinging to gratitude in in our daily living and how we think and, and, and spending some time to soak and bathe and in, in considering and pondering how other people have helped us and then to express it and give back. Uh, also hardworking and making keeping commitments, but but all all types of principle-centered living, I think is uh, is, those are the main things that I think young people should should be learning and building their foundation on at an early stage in their life. Not that all of our salespeople are young, but these are the same principles we teach to non-salespeople too, to our office experts and to our field experts who are performing the, the service. And my experience is that when we're all focused on doing the right thing and trying to help people 
because it's the right thing to do, then everything comes comes together. And I really believe that's been the success, the reason behind our success and our longevity, you know, in, in the industry is that we're 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 really trying to live the mission, which to to improve the quality of lives for ourselves and for our associates, uh, for our customers and for and for our communities. But I'm glad you bring that up because particularly in the sales side of the industry, I've seen people doing behavior that I think is is unethical um, at best and criminal at worst. And and when I see companies doing behaviors that I think are rationalizing, if not putting forward a culture of unethical or criminal type behavior, that's concerning to me. And And I'll be honest, Rachel, the bigger we get, the more that's scary for me, right? Because if you start having hundreds of salespeople and, and more, I can't be there all the time. And so it's reliant upon the Rachel Carrolls of the, wor- of the world to, to make sure that you are pushing forward this principle-centered agenda. Meaning if it costs us sales, we'll lose the sales, but we're not going to do what's wrong. And do we really have people's best interests in mind? And what is the right balance between work ethic and family and our other obligations and and um, anyway, so I'm really appreciative to have you on board. I'm glad that you brought that up as a distinction of why you why you chose to work here. Yeah, definitely. I think um, with a lot of other companies too, like you mentioned, people get kind of messed up, not just because their pay is wrong or whatever it might be, but when you take young kids, especially who are very like at very impressionable age and you're teaching them these values that aren't good and you're pushing yeah. it's it's really scary and i i see it like from from other companies and i don't want to be a part of that and yeah. i'm really glad that moxie's not like that well i hope not and what i was yeah. trying to go with that is is that once we get if if i get to the hubris where we think that it's not in moxie or that we're immune from it then we're ready for the fall and so every yeah. time i see something that I, I feel like another company is doing instead of focusing on that i immediately turn and look at us and say, what are we doing? Where do we need to improve? Yeah. What, are we doing anything that's, where, where are the seeds within our company that are leading in bad direction, uh, in the wrong direction? And so uh, if you're sticking around, I hope that you will help me <laughs> as we get bigger to to really be focusing on us and not thinking that we're immune to it because we're not. Yeah. We're not. Yeah, absolutely. I'm my One of my goals now is to become a leader in the company. And so I want to push those core values as much as you have. So that way it trickles down and people are going to be, li- be living that principle centered life. Oh, well, thank you. Speaking of which, what, what are your goals? Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? So I do want to be a regional in, um, in the company. The last few years I really have just been focusing on my own sales, hitting a thousand accounts, reaching this big goal, refining my own sales skills. But now I really want to move into leadership and I want to take everything that I've learned and be able to give that to other people, give that same opportunity that I was given and help other people achieve their goals. So I'm working on recruiting, training, building a team, and then growing up, um, growing in that, in that way. I'm assuming to be a regional, then you're also working not just to build a team, but then eventually you're, you're building a group of team leaders. Yeah, that's the goal. I'm not there yeah. yet, but that's the goal in the next few years for sure. There's no reason you shouldn't do that. I mean, yeah. here you've been the top rookie in the company. Here now you perform in the top 0.1, 0. 0.1 of 1%. Like who wouldn't want to work with you? And you're an outstanding person. You're principle-centered. You've had nothing but a, a, a life of achievement. Uh, you're kind. So, you know, in the industry, in my opinion, people should be flocking 
uh, to work from you because you paid the price and you're qualified to train people how to how to sell and also how to lead. So I look forward to watching you uh, over the next few years. Thank you. I really appreciate that. If you become a regional manager, it sounds like you're you're trying to push toward the the seven figure annual earnings too. Yeah, that's the goal. In yeah. the next in the next few years, that's definitely where I want to be. I think it's great that you want to be a regional manager, but why should anyone, whether it's a manager or first year rep, choose to work with Rachel Carroll? So I think that because I know what it takes to be successful in this job, I've gone out and I've performed at a high level three years in a row this last year, like you said, being in the top 0.1% in the industry. So now I know what that takes. I know what you need to do to go achieve that. So anyone else that wants to be successful in this job, I can directly teach you that because I know how to do it. And it's always good to learn if you if that's what you want to achieve, it's good to learn from someone that's already done that so that yeah. they can teach you. Because if you go and try and learn from someone that's never really done anything very successful in this job, how are they going to know what to teach you? Because they've never done it before. But with me, I've done it and I know what that takes. And so now my goal is just to help other people do that. And I, of course, I'm still going to sell myself, but a lot of the energy that I've spent into just selling and hitting a thousand accounts, I do want to really just put into my team and just really, really help to grow and develop other sales reps. Yeah, I think there's there's three things I can think of that specifically you know what the price is because you paid it. One, you have the sales skills so you can teach the sales skills. Two, you know the mindset and you know what to teach to get people right in the head so that they can go perform. And then three, you know, the work ethic. Definitely. So yeah, you hit it spot on those three things. I am ready and wanting to teach to whoever is wanting to come learn. What do you think are the common mistakes that you see that people in an industry make that hold them back? I think they don't fully understand what it takes to be successful. Um, Of course, you do want to have a balanced life. Of course, there's other responsibilities with you know, family, if you're in school, everything like that. But I think that people think that in order to be at the top 1%, they just have to work hard when it's at that point, it's a lot more than working hard. You do have to make the sacrifice and you do have to be willing to give up more than other people are willing to give up. And I think that people just, when push comes to shove, they're not willing to make those sacrifices. And that's like where the mistake comes in. And so people are, a lot of people in this industry in general are just all talk, but they don't (laughs) go out and make it happen. And that's where like the biggest downfall of most people that I've seen are. Yeah. I think back to my earliest days when when someone says, hey, I'm going to show you what I'm, what I'm made of because I want to be a leader. And I'll say, yeah, let's let's get after it. And we get out there, it'll start raining. And they go back to their car. And I say, well, we'll see you later. I guess that's what yeah. it takes. And they'll go, what do you mean that's what it takes? Well, rain. Rain is what it takes to defeat you. Yep. It's exactly. That's it, not very much. I was hoping to I was hoping to get a little bit more. I was hoping you'd make it a little further than that. Yeah. It's things like that. I, I've definitely just seen that people break really easily. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't understand. Like, uh, you know, an hour ago before it started raining, you were just talking about wanting to be the best and wanting to be one of the top salesmen. But now you're quitting when it's raining or you're quitting when it's hot. And or you had a couple of hard no's. Exactly. And it's like, you don't understand that 
what it takes to be the best or to be at the top, then it's pushing through all of that. And people don't push through the hardships enough to get to the top. And then that's where then they're just kind of stuck in this mediocre state. I don't think people can even recognize it when they're in that state. I think we're all blind to our to our to our blind spots, right? And so people want to be in the top five percent, but they don't want it as much as the people who are in the top five percent. Exactly. Right. Because if they wanted it enough, then they would go do it and they would make right. the sacrifices and they would push through the challenges. Because everyone runs into the same obstacles. Mm-hmm. It's all a matter of how you handle those obstacles, how you react to those obstacles. And what I found is that the people who are more mediocre come up with excuses or empower excuses very quickly and lose their focus. Yeah. Whereas the people in the top 5%, they're not knocked down. They get, they, they're in the same storm, but they're able to take those hardships and learn from them and immediately in the, in the middle of the storm, stay focused and trying to improve not just on a day-by-day basis, but an hour-by-hour basis. And that's something that I find that the mediocre people just can't do. They get yeah. knocked down and in their head, they get lost. And all they're doing is thinking about why they shouldn't be doing pest control or reasons of why it's okay not to be working. Yeah. Like that's what's going yeah. on in between the eyes. Mm-hmm. Reasons why it's okay not to work and trying to rationalize it. And if that's what you're even thinking about, then you're not elite. Because yeah. the elite people are not thinking that. The elite people are going through those same hardships and their mind is focused on how to improve and how to do better. Yeah. Would you agree? Exactly. Like you you were spot on there. I think that the people that are mediocre, they take their excuses and they somehow think that they're more valid for them. Yeah. They don't realize that it's like everyone in the top 5%, the top 1%, they have the same excuses. Yes. They're just not focusing on them and they're not using that as an excuse as to why they're quitting or why they're not successful. Um, like my first summer, I remember I, I was working so hard and, and I would skip lunches cause I just, I wanted more hours on the doors cause I wanted to be the top rookie in the company. And people would sometimes look at me and they're like, Oh, Rachel doesn't get tired just cause she, like she works longer hours. She doesn't get tired. And I'm like, no, I get tired. Like I'm really tired. I'm just pushing through it. And I'm, Choosing to not focus on being tired. Yes. You're subject you are subjecting the difficulties to your strength of purpose yeah. or to your will. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. This is what my goal is. This is what I said I was gonna do. These are the commitments that I made. And yes, I'm going through the same uncomfortable things that you're going through, and probably a few more, because my feet really hurt having these other things. But but my my goal is this and my so I'm going to subdue all of these things that I'm feeling and subject them to the strength of my will and my purpose. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's almost using the, you know, quote unquote excuses to your strength and like just pushing through it. And and you have to just say in your mind, no matter what comes up, like I'm going to make it happen either way because that's how much I want to be successful. And that's where just like the mediocre people just don't get it. And that's where I think they fail a lot of the times because it's like the excuses come up and and then they empower those excuses. Exactly. And then feel good about it. Well, I wasn't successful because of this. Yeah. I've often said if, if, uh, when people ask me about entrepreneurship and they'll say, what, what do you think it takes to be a successful entrepreneur? And I say, bring in a room, bring me into a room, 15 people who started small businesses and, and those businesses failed. And ask those 15 people what happened. 
and you're going to hear 15 great reasons. My partner committed fraud, death in the family, uh, the economy turned against me. And then you'll say, well, no wonder. It was a tough break for them. Who would have, you know, no wonder. They just had the bad breaks. Say thank you and have them leave. Invite 15 people in that started the same 15 companies, but those companies were successful. And say, what was the hardest part? And you're going to hear the same 15 stories. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing with with reps like yourself in our industry. If we ask you what was the hardest part of the summer, we're going to hear the same excuses or the same things that other people are using as excuses as to why they weren't able to, to achieve their goals. And I think that that's just the way it is probably in any industry. For sure. I remember thinking to myself over the summer on the days that I was really struggling or I did have a, you know, like or people people don't realize too that a lot of excuses when they tell people it, it's like, yeah, that sounds like a valid excuse, but it doesn't matter because people at the top aren't going to use that as an excuse. So I remember telling myself, like, no one's going to look back on the summer and say, oh, Rachel didn't hit a thousand accounts, but that's okay because she didn't feel well, or that's okay because of this or whatever. No one was going to say that. It was just going to be, well, Rachel didn't hit a thousand accounds. It doesn't really matter why. Exactly. You just didn't. And so that's why I was like, no matter what, then I have to go make it happen. No matter what the excuse is, because now people can say Rachel hit a thousand accounts, like despite all of the obstacles and stuff that she might have been going through. Yeah, I think it's just it was just amazing watching you in action this past year. And I know when we talk like this to some people, it's offensive. So <laughs> I've said some of these comments before and I've had like friends or family say, hey, I think that was a little bit too harsh what yeah. you were saying about the entrepreneurs. And to, to which I'd say, do you want me to lie? Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying what the truth, what, what my version of the truth is. I might be wrong, for sure. but that's how I feel. And I'm, and I'm just speaking the truth. And I honestly see a lot of people who are going into entrepreneurship or into summer sales and think maybe you shouldn't do it. I mean, yeah, because entrepreneurship is really hard. There is no safety net. And so it's, it's like you said, if the business fails, you can't just say, well, th- well, 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 and start listing your excuses. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to know these hard things are going to happen if you go, if you're going to go start a business. And yeah. so if you're not okay with weathering that and seeing your way through them, then just don't go do it. And I think it's the same thing with summer sales. If you want to go do summer sales and be a high achiever, then just know it's going to be immensely difficult. But that is where a lot of the reward is. Yeah. A lot of the reward is what it does to your character and, and to your inner strength when you come up with solutions to obstacles that knock other people down. It's been my experience that people who go do summer sales and and they weather those storms, especially when they do it in a principle-centered way, for now 30 years, it's my very strong and consistent experience that those people go on to be very successful in whatever their chosen profession is, even if it has nothing to do with sales. That's so interesting and it makes sense just because there's so many like principles and so many takeaways from this job that can really just translate into anything. If you can push through the tough, the tough times and the excuses and everything that comes up over the summer, it's going to set you up to push through, like you said, whatever you do in life. So. so Rachel, thanks for being with me here today. And thanks for sharing your words of wisdom. I love any opportunity I have to sit down and talk with you and learn from you. So I appreciate you being here, but I'm also really thankful 
uh, for all the good that you've done in in Moxie within our organization. I appreciate the example of principle centered living that you've set for for not just the people in your immediate teams, but for everyone in the company. I'm really grateful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And thanks for having having Moxie is such a great company. It's it's been great to work with you the last three years.